This morning when I got up, I said to Mallory, Mallory, what should I wear today? Which was not a good question to ask her. So I wear just a shirt and slacks. She goes, no, Dad, you should wear your suit. So that's why I have a suit on. You. (laughs) She's really very wise, so I try to listen to her every time she says something. Just like I always say, so what do you think I should preach about today? She goes, oh, tell them about Jesus or something like that. (laughs) What else is there? It's Jesus. If we've come here for any other reason except Jesus, we're probably in the wrong place. That's the only reason we should be here is to hear about Jesus and hear about how he can help us through life and change our life. He's changed mine drastically. You don't know that, but just ask my wife and she'll tell you. God is so good. You know, as I was thinking about the, uh, as the, 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 the uh, praise band was singing, by the way, they did a great job. Yes, they did. Yeah, it's really cool because when I first started preaching, I had to wear a robe, a little, uh, what was that called, Joy? One of those things you had to wear around your neck that hung down. I forget what they were called now even. I had to wear that or I had to wear a suit and tie to preach because if you didn't wear that, you weren't a preacher. I don't know what it had to do with bringing the word, but that's what we we're supposed to do. See, there's too many things in church I've found out that we do them without a really good reason. They're traditions. And not traditions aren't bad. They're not bad at all. We have some great family traditions. And there are some great church traditions. The problem is, is we've come to the point where we worship the tradition instead of God. Traditions are not bad. They say we have a lot of them, and there's a lot of good church traditions too. But what happens is if we're not careful, they can get in the way of why we're here. Why we're here, that's for Jesus. If you don't mind, I'd like for you to join me in just a short little uh, verse, a short little song to to get us into the mood and thinking about why we're here. And I know all of you know it, if you all join me. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Most of you know I'm a joker and I like to laugh. I think laughing is important. And one of my favorite comedians that I listen to, maybe some of you have listened to, his name is Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> you ever listen to Jeff Foxworthy? Amen. You might be a redneck if. Yes. 
Now, it's important that we listen to comedians like that because what they do, it will cause us to be meek and humble because it makes us look at ourselves realistically. There's nothing wrong with that. Like one of my favorites, he says, uh, if you and your father both go to school or in the third grade, you might be a redneck. Okay? Uh, I, I, got, I, got, I, I can't go from memory. My wife was said, don't do that. Directions to your house include left turn on the first unpaved road. All right? If you cut your grass and find a car, you might be a redneck. Mom keeps a spit cup on the end of her ironing board, you might be a redneck. Those are just a few of them. And he also did... Uh, he also did, uh, I don't know many of you have ever seen it, but he also did, you might be a Muslim if, okay? Now, I don't want to offend anybody, but I just want, there's just a couple of them that I think are really funny. If you wear a vest, it comes in two styles, bulletproof and suicide. You own a $3,000 machine gun and a $5,000 rocket launcher, but you can't afford shoes. Now, we all need to learn to laugh and to laugh at ourselves. I don't know, I, we had, I had a re, I coached for a long time when we went to a reunion, 35-year reunion with players. And so they decided it would be really fun to mock me and to do all the things and say the things that I used to say to them. I got to tell you, I said, I did those things? Oh, yeah, coach, you did that. Well, it was very humbling, but at the same time, you had to laugh. There's lots of stuff we need to learn to laugh at ourselves of things that we do, mistakes that we make, because we, we, we take ourselves way too serious. We're more worried about ourselves than we are worried about who God made us to be. Amen. God made you and me to be a specific someone with all of our faults, all of our gifts, all wrapped into one, and he still loves us, and he wants to use us in a mighty way. See, God isn't mad at you about your sins. He doesn't like them. He's going to make sure he addresses them because he doesn't want you to keep living that way. Amen. He doesn't want you to keep living that way. So we have to learn, as one of the uh, Beatitudes is, blessed are the meek. Right? The humble. For what? What's that? Oh, you do read the Bible some. That's good. So, it's important that we do that. And so, as I was sitting on the beach in Naples, don't boo, don't boo, don't boo. Don't be haters. Someone has to suffer for Jesus down there, all right? Lord gave me this idea of, from Jeff Foxworthy. It's, you might be a Pharisee if. You might be a Pharisee. Now, the thing about it we have to understand is this. First of all, when I say these things, don't think about somebody else. <laughs> look at yourself first. We always have to look at ourselves first, not somebody else and judging somebody else. 
We got plenty of our own faults to take care of without worrying about somebody else's. All right? And it's really prevalent in the church because sometimes we get people in church that, I know there's nobody here like this, but we get people in church that think they know everything. They know what's best for you. They know what's best for the church. They know what's best for the pastor. They know how everything should be from the color of the walls to the kind of music we play to the color of the carpet and the chairs, which has nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So we need to get down to reality. You know, I know I can be honest with you because that's the only way I know how to be. And so, uh, because the Lord is honest with me, and so when he speaks to me, I have to speak to you what he tells me. And the, the point is, is that every single one of us in there have a little bit of Pharisee in us. Some of us have a lot. Some of us have a little. But we all have it. And God doesn't like it. Who was Jesus after? Who did he have all this trouble with? The Pharisees. The rule keepers. The Pharisees were the first bullies in the Bible. The first bullies. They bullied people. They gave them standards to live up to that they wouldn't live up to themselves. That's a bully. That's a bully. Bullies are horrible. They're so, they're so demeaning and they're so, they, they can suck the life right out of you if you're not careful. So what are the signs? Jess Foxwood, you might be a redneck if, here we go. You might be a Pharisee if you love to point the finger at somebody else. Oh, yeah, you need to change. Oh, no, you, you should be doing more in the church. What's the old saying? When you point one finger, you have three pointing back at you. All of us do that from time to time. It's horrible for the church. You know what it does to the church? What it does to the church is that people that are on the, on the borderline about whether I should go to church or not or whether I should come back, people start pointing the finger at them. They go, I'm going there. Why would I want to be a part of that? Why do I want to be a part of people judging me every time I walk in? From the clothes I wear to the way I act, uh, to, uh, to, well, they shouldn't be wearing sandals up there playing praise music on, on, on the stage, or they, they shouldn't be wearing shorts, or, they, or this, that, and the other. All that is malarkey. Has nothing to do with their heart for God. It has nothing to do with the anointing they have to play music or to sing. Has nothing to do with that. Absolutely nothing. Whether I wear a suit or shorts has no, has no bearing on how I preach. Amen. Now, down in Florida, I have this rule. I have two rules. I eat seafood every day. And the second rule is I only wear long pants on Sunday. The rest of the time, I wear shorts. When they closed us down with COVID down there, they didn't close us down. We, we said, hey, bring your lawn chairs. We're going to have church on the tennis courts. First time I ever preached in shorts. <laughs> Didn't affect a single thing about the way I was, the way I acted, and the way I preached. See, we're, we're worried about the wrong things. We're worried about the wrong things. The Pharisees were worried about the wrong things. 
What were the Pharisees worried about? They were worried that all of their power would get taken away by this man called Jesus. See, they had a good gig going. They could tell people what to do and didn't have to follow it themselves. And whenever it came to money or dress or how they acted, they had it made. They didn't like it when Jesus called them out. Didn't like it. Jesus is calling us out. Jesus is calling his people out to be people of Jesus, not people of the world, or get involved in the things of the world, but stay involved with him, keep in prayer and his word, and trust in him, and know we know the end of the story. We know how it all ends. Most people don't know how it all ends. They don't want to because they don't stay in church long enough because somebody goes there and somebody, they get their feelings hurt. Oh, come on. So you get your feelings hurt. I get my feelings hurt all the time. You know, it, but it should still have nothing to do with Jesus. Amen. Nothing. One of the churches I was in, a couple quit coming to church because we changed the heating from oil to gas. Because <laughs> gas was dangerous. It could explode. So I said, well, if you feel that, that unsafe, then maybe you should go somewhere else. I don't know what to tell you. See, they weren't there for Jesus. That should have never got in the way. Because after all, think about this. If I know Jesus, he's got angels guarding me. He's got angels guarding every one of you. We have them all around. Our, our, our grandkids, God, oh my gosh, we've missed them so much. One just turned nine and the other one's going to turn four. And then two boys are in between. But the oldest one's scared of those storms. And so I told her, this is what I told her, this is because of what my mother told me. You ever tell anything, your kids anything your mother told you? There was really, had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> the lightning, I said, Mallory, or Riley, don't worry about the lightning. That's just the angels taking pictures <laughs> in heaven. And I said, and the thunder, the, the thunder is just the angels are bowling and that's the pins getting knocked over. And I said, because, and I said, besides that, I go, we, your grandma and I and your Aunt Mallory, we pray for you, girl, you guys every day. We pray for, for your protection. The angels are guarding you all the time, so you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So a few days later, a storm comes again, and it starts sunning and lightning, and Raleigh goes, we don't have to, she was telling her, her brothers and sisters, we don't have to worry, God's protecting us. Amen. That's... You got to teach them when they're young. See, there's not a lot of young people in here this morning, and there's probably a pretty good reason because they're tired of getting judged. They're tired of getting judged instead of telling them and reminding them of the good things about them. How, think about Saul. Why on earth would Jesus strike Saul down to use him, and he was killing Christians? Un, no conscious about it at all, but the Lord struck him down. You know the story. Blinded him. Why? Saul had lots of good qualities. Saul knew the Bible. Saul was committed to whatever he was part of. 
He was avid. He was fervent. When he became Paul, all those same characteristics were there. God was just using him in a more positive way. And many of us are the same way. We've, we've been through life and been through some stuff. And, and the reason why we go through stuff is because the Lord's trying to teach us. And then he can teach us about how to overcome those things. And then our job is to, when we run into someone going through the same thing, we can say to them, hey, let's talk. I know exactly how you're feeling. I know what you're going through. And so we're called to come along. And that nasty four-letter word, love, people. Love, not judge. Love, people. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. <laughs> we learned that song, we were real young. What happened to that? Where did we lose that? Where did we lose that? So Pharisees loved to point fingers. They were pointing fingers at Jesus. Oh, you didn't wash. Why didn't your wash, disciples wash their hands before they ate? Oh, come on. How many of us don't wash our hands before we eat? Oh, he healed somebody on the Sabbath? Oh, my goodness, what a horrible thing. Back when we, this church first started, let's see, with Pastor Joe and I, and one Sunday, the altars were full. People were coming and prayed for it, accepting Jesus. And after church, someone had the audacity to come up to me and say, Boy, that music was sure too loud today. I said, after the church service we had, that's what you got from that church service? That's a Pharisee. Judgmental. Only want what they want. See, I don't want what I want. I want what God wants. I want what Jesus wants. I want to be who Jesus says I am. Not, what, not who you say I am or my wife or my kids say I am, but who Jesus says I am. And Jesus says I am a delight. Now, some of you may not think that. You know why? Because I'm human and all of us can be undelightful sometimes. But in God's eyes, we're not. Okay? I'm a child of his. I'm an heir. I can do all the things he has done and greater things. Where are those greater things that we're supposed to be able to be doing? I don't see it happening. Why? Why? It really concerned me this morning because you had three opportunities to come up here and get prayer or to speak with God and nobody came up. That really bothered me. I said, wow, everybody must be, have this perfect life. But see, the problem is why people don't come up, they don't come up for a lot of reasons. Well, I know if I go up there, so-and-so is going to know something's wrong in my life. Well, if you're worried about someone that's going to tell you about that, then they're a Pharisee. It's nobody's business what goes on in your life between you and God. Amen. Not a bit. I'm so thankful to God for he's done so many things for me. Why shouldn't I come? Why shouldn't I be willing to come up here and praise him and say that? Now, you can praise in your seat. Don't get me wrong. But there are times that you should be moved so much, so much by God's blessings and his goodness 
that you just can't stay seated. You got to come up here and tell him and get closer to him. Because, you know, I know the spirit flows through this whole place, but it isn't any stronger than it is right here. Right here. Pharisees love to point fingers and point out what's wrong in your life and other people's life and in the life of the church. In Revelation 12, 10, the devil is called the accuser. Pharisees are accusers. They are accusers. And that only comes from Satan. Of course, Luke tells us, judge not lest ye be judged. You know, we're not called to judge people. It says that we'll be judges with the angels, but that's not here. Our job here is or to be witnesses to people. Letting people see the goodness of Christ through us. Not, not the judgment, not the being unmerciful, not any of those things, but the love of Christ that has been put in each of us. Now, if you don't have any love to share with someone, then you don't know Jesus. I don't know any other way to say it. If you can't show love and mercy to people, then you don't know Jesus. See, I think what we do is sometimes we've been Christians so long, we forget where we came from. We forget who we were before Jesus got a hold of us. So we want people to already be there when they come to church. No. What's that sign? I see that sign a long time ago. It says, uh, a message from God. You catch them, I'll clean them. <laughs> you can't clean anybody. I can't clean anybody. Only the Holy Spirit of God can draw people and clean up their lives. Amen. I can't make you clean up your life. Nobody can make you clean up. Nobody can make you accept Jesus. Only the Spirit. And you have to have a humble and a meek heart. Meekness is what we're talking about. Pharisees also, you might be a Pharisee if you superimpose your rules and wishes on your friends and family and to require them to come up to your standards. I wish, oh man, I wish, like I could tell my children these standards and they would say, oh yeah, dad, I'm gonna do that. Thank you for letting me know that. It's not realistically. I have a friend whose daughter got pregnant before she was married and he was so upset and mad. He said, Dennis, how can this happen? We do Bible study every night after dinner. It's called free will. Everybody has the free will to do anything you want to do, anything you want to think. But if you've come to know Jesus, your free will is his will. Amen. As hard as it is sometimes, it's his will that he requires of us. Doesn't require it, he wants it from us. And if we really take the time to be thankful and how much he loves us and how much he's done for us, it's easy to do. You might be a Pharisee if you make people guilty by association. You know what that means? Oh, because they're friends with this person, they must be just like them. They're bad. Oh, that person, oh, 
they drink wine. Now, the Bible says not to get drunk with wine, and if you have a problem, you shouldn't do it. But it doesn't. I know people who drink wine, and some in this congregation, I already say, and they still love the Lord and serve him fervently. We judge, guilt by association. I have a good friend who I grew up with. And he, we played rock music together for 20 years. I'm an old rocker, and uh, he still plays. And he plays in bars, and we go listen to him play. Now, some people would go, you go to a bar? Well, yeah, I go to a bar to see my friend because I want to meet him where he is. I want to show him that I'm not holier than now or too good to go and be where he is. See, what we do, we write people off and go, oh, man, I can't do that. It was funny. <laughs> Pastor Joe, one of the first couple of years we were here, we started this uh, with Karen Ayers, uh, motorcycle blessing. So the first motorcycle blessing had down at the Eagles down here in Lebanon, the Eagles Club. And they're a club, they... You know, they raise all their money by drinking and then they give it away and help people, okay? So, not just drinking, but they bet and, you know, they have these cards and stuff. And so, the first one up, there was a sign down there, Motorcycle Blessing Saturday, whatever the date was, new, with Lebanon Eagles and New Freedom Church. It was on a big sign with a Budweiser. <laughs> Joe called me, Dennis, did you see that sign? I said, yeah. What would you expect from them? But see, we became really good friends with them. Joe was getting worried because all those guys, all those people down there knew me by first name. I never went down there except, but they would come, have me come down and do prayers for their meetings. Great people. They just drink. We had two people from there. See, we'd do that motorcycle blessing, and then we would bring them back here after their ride, and we would feed them lunch right back there in the back with the stage lights on, music playing, because a lot of them have never been in a church before. So we wanted to show them that it wasn't a scary place. We, we, over, those, over those few, several years there, we had two conversions, two people accepted the Lord. I'd say that was worth it. There's one guy who claimed to be an atheist. He's the head of the group, and every year at the end, he would say, Pastor Dennis, are you going to come and do that next year? I said, absolutely. We would pray with people. Where would guys go down there? There's one guy who's in the motorcycle come walking in. I met him, and I said, hey, come on. We're going to go play over your motorcycle. And, and you, and he goes, nah, you don't need to do that. He says, my life says, I'm going straight to hell. He says, your prayers won't do any good. I said, oh, yeah, they will. I said, come on down there with me. He says, no, I'm not going. I said, well, look, I'm going to go down there and lay hands on your motorcycle. I'm going to pray for your motorcycle, and I'm going to pray for you. So you might as well be there when I do it. <laughs> and he came down. But see, over the years, we've made lots of good friends down there. I was holding hands with one guy. And a hand on his motorcycle, and he, I'm holding my hand, and he's got a beer in his other hand. <laughs> and I'm praying. You know, it didn't cause God not to hear the prayer. Not for a second. 
Because why? Because he knows my heart. He knows I don't want any glory from him. I want all, him to get all the glory. See, that's the thing about it. Too often, we want to get a little glory out of it ourselves. But God has to get the glory. He has to know he's going to get the glory or he's not going to use you. All glory has to go to him. You might be a Pharisee if you judge people by their outward appearance. I'll end with this. I was a principal at one time. We had a boy who was very, really troubled and had a difficult time in school. So we called his parents in to have a meeting to see what we could do to help this boy out. <laughs> and so it was IEP, so I was a little bit late to the meeting. So I walk in there and everybody was already seated, the mother, the boy, the mother, and the father. And I looked at the father. The father had long hair like, where's my buddy? Where are you? There he is back there. Right there, that guy, stand up. Stand up, my friend. Yeah, okay. And this guy, he had long beard and hair longer than yours. He had more earrings in his ears than you do. Tattoos all up and down his arms. So I walk in and I look at this guy and I go, now I know what's wrong with this kid. So we sit down at the meeting, we start talking to him and find out, well, this particular guy, the, girl, the, the mother and the boy were living in a car. This man took them in and was providing for them for years. What a great thing. And I, was ju I judged him. He don't know. There's no way to know. There's no way. You know, all of us hide things. There's people in here that are hiding things in their life that nobody else knows about because they don't want you to see it because they don't want you to judge them. See, I should be able to go to, I, I can go to Dave Meyer and I, I can share anything in the world with him and I know he doesn't judge me, nor will he hold it over my head or bring it back or will he say anything to anybody else. That's who we're supposed to be. People that people can trust, who can come to for guidance we can, we don't, you know, we have to go, like, I don't know the answer, but I know somebody that does. His name's Jesus. This is what he's done for you, me. Maybe he'll do the same for you. What do you think? That's witnessing. I didn't hit him over the head with the Bible. None of that stuff. I just talked to him. Let him know I testified. I was a witness. I wasn't a lawyer and I wasn't a judge. I was a witness for Jesus. That's all he asks of all of us, is to be witnesses for him. And if Jesus hasn't blessed you, you don't know him. Because <laughs> the Jesus I know is overflowing with blessings. Many, some small, some big. Some small, some big. Jesus healed, healed joy of cancer. Without a single treatment. All right? And so, and I know of other people in here that the Lord has touched. And we should be willing to tell everybody about that, how good he is. 
See, some people, he thinks he's this guy up there ready to pound us over the head. Like, you ever played that game and we were up at Chuck E. Cheese, like the bop the moles or whatever they are? That that's what God's up there doing, ready to smack us over the head every time we do something wrong. Now, who wants to serve a God like that? That's not the God I know. And you know, it's not the God you know. Quit pointing fingers. Quit judging people. Quit looking at people by the way they dress. And don't judge people by the way they act. We want everybody to act like Jesus and the people we want to act like Jesus don't even know who he is. So how can we expect him them to act that way? It's our responsibility to share that Jesus with the world. With the world. Judgment is not part of it. Judgment is not part of it. There'll be a time for that, and it's not now. What is now is to influence people. Influence people. There's a saying that you can't antagonize and influence someone at the same time. You want to antagonize people, and they're going to listen to a word you say. You can be honest and truthful in love without being antagonizing. And we want immediate results, and it usually doesn't work that way. I know some people have had amazing conversions, but also not a lot of people that took 10, 12, 15, 20 years or more before they ever accepted him. I'd like to share one more thing. I'm sorry, Pastor. You don't mind, do you? I lo- I've, come, I've known this guy just a little bit. I love this guy already. You have a great heart, sir. It's words to a song that I think are very appropriate for all of us. I know it struck me really hard because, you know, as we become more chronologically challenged, that means we're getting older. Different things start having different meanings. Things, different things mean more to us than other things. And so it tells us that we've only given a certain amount of time here on this earth, and what are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? That's my question to you. But there's this awesome song. You may have heard it. It's by Joey Feek. This game, it's called, In the Time That You Gave Me. In the time that you gave me, did I give all I could give? Did I love all I could love? Did I live all I could live? Was my faith in your grace strong enough to save me? Did it do all I could do in the time that you gave me? In the time that you gave me, did I face the devil down? Did I make him turn away every time I stood my ground? If today is the day you should decide to take me, did I do all I could do in the time that you gave me? And I'll never know till it's over, but I want to fly on your shoulders. I might have strayed from the path. I might have gone a little crazy. I'd like to think I did you proud in the time that you gave me. And as the hourglass empties, no, it won't even phase me. 
if I did all I could do in the time that you gave me. Time is precious. I know when I was younger, I didn't even think about time. Never worried about it a single bit. Sleep was a inconvenience. Running around was doing stuff all the time. You know, and I used to think I was, in church my whole life, I used to think I was working for God, but all I was doing was saying, Lord, I'm gonna do this, bless this for me, would you? Instead of asking him what he wanted me to do. As soon as I asked him what he wanted me to do and he started showing me, my whole life changed. But he would never showed me that if I had not given my heart to him. If I had not gone to him and asked him to forgive me for my sins. If I had not gone to him and said, Lord, I need you. That's part of being meek too. Lord, I need you. I can't make it without you. And he's saying that to each and every one of us today. And he might be speaking to you too. He might have today, I hope he might have pointed out in your heart some of the little things of being a Pharisee that are still there that we need to get rid of. All of us have them. I have them too. Getting rid of them. It's a journey. I'm still a work in progress. But I try to be as obedient as I can be to him what he wants me to do and where he wants me to go. He led us away from this congregation to Florida. It was hard. And some days it's still hard. But we know where we're supposed to be. And so we don't get a lot of time to, to miss things because he has us so busy. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful but we miss being here. This church is the, has been the, our foundation through Pastor Joe and through all of you, learning from all of you and learning from many of you what it means to be a child of God. Let's pray. Father, you are so wonderful. Can't even begin to list all the things. You know, Psalm Psalm 40, I called out to you and you heard my cry. You lifted me up out of the pit, set my foot on the rock. You put a new song in my heart. And if I were to name all the things you've done, it would take too long to do that. That's the God I know. That's the God I want you to know but it's your choice. You can keep running away from him all you want to, but you're wasting your time running when you could be running to him instead of away from him. Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, that doesn't know that they can come to you and run to you, just call the name of Jesus and he's right there. They don't know him as Lord and Savior. If there's anyone here today that's like that, Lord, touch their hearts this very moment. Speak to them. You know, and, and I know when you speak to people about that, you speak in that still, small voice. Speak to them, Lord. If there's anyone that the Lord has spoke to you today, with all heads, heads bowed and eyes closed, just raise your hand quickly and take it back down. Anybody who spoke to you? Praise God, praise God. 
Lord, you are awesome. If there's anyone here today that, Lord, has shown a little bit of being a Pharisee in your heart and you want to get rid of it, all you got to do is ask him. If there's anyone here that, that the Lord has spoke to you about today, just raise your hand and put it back right back down. Anybody, anybody, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, you are so good. You are so loving. You're so honest and so merciful. We thank you for that. Lord, I thank you. My family and I, we thank you for this place called New Freedom where we learned about being real people, what it means to be really free. You are awesome. Work through your people that are here. Let them love the way you love them. Forgive the way you've forgiven them. Show the people mercy the way you showed them mercy. Lord, we want to do all we can do in the time that you give us. We thank you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.